Hey there, and welcome to the Brave Marriage Podcast. I'm Kinsey Dzinski, a licensed marriage and family therapist and certified professional coach, and this is a podcast and community of couples who want to grow as individuals, do marriage with intention, and live mutually empowered, purposeful lives. I'm recording this episode right before Evan and I leave for a little getaway weekend. Since we've been married, we tried to make quarterly getaways a priority. And while we haven't managed all four every year, we've been especially intentional in the past few, just given our season of life. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to visiting my niece and nephew. And I hope that by the time you listen to this episode, you're coming off of a wonderful weekend as well. Last Saturday at Courageous Conversations, one woman asked about the difference between healthy conflict and unhealthy conflict. And that sparked some good discussion because, as you all know, all of us learn different messages about conflict as we grow up. Some of us learn to be aggressive when we have a problem. Some of us learn to bring things up passively or passive-aggressively. And some of us learned that good marriages shouldn't have conflict. That brushing things under the rug or trying to keep the peace is the best route to a happy marriage. But if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you know that none of those ways of approaching conflict are actually healthy because none of those approaches lead to intimacy. And I shared with the group that when conflict conversations are healthy, they look and feel just like that, like conversations. Like dialogues where both partners are able to share openly and honestly, but in a respectful way, and with the assurance that both partners are going to show up to listen to understand, even if they see things differently. Now, if you can remember all the way back to episode 62, I elaborated on the process of building a strong marital house. To refresh your memory or recap where we've been, we've said that a strong marriage requires a strong foundation of friendship. It then requires a framework of commitment and mutual trust, which allows the marriage to function. And when all these things are in place, a culture of positivity can then be cultivated, which acts as insulation to the strong marriage you've built thus far. Does that all make sense? And so today, as we talk about how to dialogue about your problems, what we're doing here is adding the interior walls, if you will, of a strong marriage. But before we jump into our discussion on how to dialogue about your problems, this episode is brought to you by my free research-based relationship quiz. Have you ever wanted a professional insider's look at your relationship? Well, I've created a free quiz that lets you in on the state of your relationship based on four different components of marital health. After taking the quiz, you'll receive your score, followed by an email with a description of that score, next steps to take, and a prayer for your marriage based on your unique quiz results. To get started, simply visit bravemarriage.com quiz. Again, that's bravemarriage.com quiz. So when couples respect each other, when they trust each other's heart and good intentions, conflict conversations are just conversations. Sure, there may be tension or strong emotions, but the respect and the good intentions remain intact. And as the couples who attended our workshop this fall learned, the best way to ensure that conflict conversations stay healthy is to mutually agree on a time and place to have the discussion, to express oneself in love, and for the listening spouse to empathize with feelings, fears, concerns, etc. And ideally, both spouses in a marriage would be skilled at this and would respectfully take turns getting to the root of the issue so that they can work together toward a common goal. But I realize 
that as you listen today, you're not necessarily sitting there listening with your spouse. And so as I share these ideals with you, I can imagine you're thinking, um, that's great, but there's no way my spouse is going to agree to sit down with me so that I can bring up a problem. Or I already walk on eggshells when it comes to bringing up problems. How in the world can I confidently address them when I know that my spouse will respond in a less than understanding way? Well, those are the sorts of things I am going to attempt to help you navigate today so that you can learn to dialogue about your problems. Step one is identify the problem, the actual problem. So this would happen sometimes in our early marriage. Evan or I would be frustrated about something, but neither of us had yet identified what it was. So we would just walk around mildly annoyed or irritated without really knowing why and without being able to explain it to each other. And it was frustrating for both of us because we could see that something was wrong, but we hadn't yet identified the problem, which oftentimes was as simple as one of us neglecting to do something for the other and the other feeling uncared for as a result. That was the real problem, the root of the problem, not necessarily that we forgot or neglected to do something, but that we felt uncared for. We wanted to be seen in those moments and selflessly loved by the other, right? naturally. And so, in the same way, it's critical that you identify whatever is the actual root of your problem, the actual pain point or desire, so that when it comes time to bring the issue up, you're both clear on the problem, neither of you is confused, and you don't waste time solving the wrong thing. I see this play out a lot in my office. A wife will say, you spend too much time at work and not enough time with us. And the husband will respond, well, I have to work like this. Otherwise, you and the kids wouldn't be taken care of. By the way, I hear this expressed from men a lot, even when their wives are working too. Just an observation. But because of the way the wife put it, the husband heard, your work is the problem. When actually what she's saying is, I miss you. The kids miss you. And the problem is actually our lack of clarity around how much money is enough compared to how much quality time we spend together. But because he doesn't hear it like this, he solves the wrong problem. He thinks that she's complaining about his work, and so his problem is that he feels stuck between a rock and a hard place, thinking, okay, she says she wants safety and security, and yet she hates my work. So his solution is to convince her why his work matters. And in turn, how does this lead her to feel? Like he doesn't care about her, right? What they do is they actually make things worse because they've failed to identify the real problem with each other. They never got clear on what the root of the problem actually was, which was the discrepancy between them in terms of how much money is enough versus how much quality time is spent together. Now, had this couple identified the real problem at hand, would it be an easy solution? No, probably not. But at least they would be solving the right problem and not spinning in circles, driving their relationship and their goodwill into the ground. So after you've identified the problem and gotten to the real root of the issue, step two is take some time to identify the good you see in your spouse. I would actually encourage you to take a day or two or even a week if you can help it to try and see the good in your spouse before bringing up the problem. Now, discern this for yourself based on your personality and the urgency of the issue needing to be addressed, but the reason I encourage you to take some time here is so that you can prepare your own heart and mind to go into the problem conversation from a place of love 
rather than going into it knowing you're going to jump down your spouse's throat. Another benefit of taking this time is that you'll be able to get outside of your own perspective a little bit to see the world from your spouse's point of view so that when you bring up the problem, your defenses will already be down a little because you've thought through where your spouse might be coming from. And you can start the conversation by genuinely noting what's good, as we talked about in episode 7. Step 3 is discern the right time to bring it up, meaning don't blindside your spouse with an issue. Imagine this. Imagine your spouse comes to you without any prior notice and suddenly relays that he or she is unhappy with a big financial decision you two made last year. And you personally thought that you were both on the same page, but come to find out your spouse felt left out of that decision. Like you really took the reins and he or she didn't feel comfortable saying no for whatever reason. But it's eaten at your spouse every day ever since. You would feel pretty blindsided, right? So in situations like those where you're the one bringing it up, remember, even if you've been thinking about the issue every day for the past year or however long, your spouse can't read your mind. Therefore, being thoughtful of your timing will be such a gift to your spouse and could potentially help lower their defenses. If you have a pent-up problem like this in your marriage, it may be especially helpful to say something like, Hey babe, can I talk to you about something? It concerns that big purchase we made last year, and even though everything turned out fine, I'd like to share how I felt about that in a way that I haven't before. Of course, adapt this to your own language and say it however works best for you. But when you do this, you show your spouse great respect and consideration when you give them time to think about the issue and prepare to listen rather than springing it on them so that they feel like they need to defend themselves in the moment. So again, going back to step one, identify what you're really upset about. Is it the purchase itself or is it that you didn't feel comfortable bringing something up because of how you thought your spouse might react? Step two, take some time to identify the good so that you approach the conversation with love. And step three, discern the right time to bring it up. Is it at night after the kids go down? Is it over the weekend when you actually have time to dialogue? Is it at a set time and place? Whatever the right time is for you based on your all's personalities and what has or hasn't worked in the past. Step four is then name what you would like to see happen. Using the last year's purchase example, it's not likely that you want to see a purchase returned a year later, right? For one, that would be unrealistic, but two, remember, that's not actually the issue. The problem you're addressing is your discomfort with speaking up for yourself and feeling left out of decision-making. And issues like that aren't a small matter. And so your best chance of being heard is to ask for what you want. Say something like, you know, I haven't said this to you before, but in the future it would mean a lot to me if you would give me a little more time to wrap my head around such large financial decisions because I really want what's best for us and I want to feel like we're on the same team rather than uncomfortable or a little pressured. And again, I know that these are courageous things to say to your spouse, but if you don't risk that vulnerability, you two won't ever get to the intimacy that you desire. So after you've named what you would like to see happen, step five and the final step in learning to dialogue about your problems is to leave it alone. If your partner is not yet ready to talk, don't keep pestering, pursuing, or nagging. Don't keep bringing it up because that can feel to your partner like you're trying to force the issue before he or she is ready to talk. 
And your spouse also might have a little bit of guilt or self-consciousness or defensiveness to work through. And if that's the case, let them. Your spouse will respect you more for it. He or she will feel relieved if your natural tendency is to do the exact opposite. And I can imagine that your next question is, but Kinsey, if my partner loves to leave things alone and won't talk to me about anything, then what do I do? And I totally get this question because in the examples I've given you, I've assumed that to some degree, you and your spouse have enough consideration between you to work together, to give a little bit. But I know that's not always the case, especially when things have built up over the course of years. So if I'm describing your marital dynamic, I would say, number one, pray for your spouse. Pray for him or her before you present the problem. Pray for your delivery and your resolve to remain calm and to not react. And pray for the Lord to turn your partner's heart back toward him and toward you. And number two, go to counseling. If you arrive at an impasse that you're unable to move through on your own, that's the perfect time to seek the help of a third party who can help you get at all of the dynamics at play. All right, I hope these five steps are helpful to you as you work to turn problem conversations into productive dialogue. Your action step for today is to consider, which steps here do I most need to work on? Identifying the actual root of the problem? Taking time to identify the good and seeing the world as my spouse does? Finding the right time to bring up the issue? Naming what I would like to see happen? Or leaving things alone afterward if my spouse isn't ready to talk? And I'll list these five steps again in the show notes for easy referral. My prayer for you all today is just what I mentioned earlier that the Lord would turn our hearts toward him and toward our spouses so that the tough moments and the difficult conversations become honoring to him as our intimacy with one another deepens and our marriages grow stronger as a result. I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye-bye. Love is not a Love is not a bond Love is just as fragile